three, two, one. Welcome to Caveman's Corner. We're coming to you live from the Caveman Studios in Buffalo, New York. No Ray, of course, so the intro sucks. Usually we have Ray. He does a great intro. Not really, but I got a different Mexican here today. I got Primo Luciano. How are you doing, Primo? That's, uh, I'm doing good, but I'm Puerto Rican. Ah, whatever. So is he. <laughs> so is Ray. Ray's Puerto Rican, too. But, but I, I love Mexican food. I moved to the Mid-South two years ago and fell in love with Mexican food. All right. As long as you don't get deported, we're uh, we're doing pretty good. But it's hotter down there. Yeah, that's true. Sweat more. <laughs> it's easier to cut weight. I need to, man. <laughs> so a lot of you guys might not know who Primo is. Uh, Primo is one of the originators of MMA in the seven one six. What year did you uh, start training? Um, I actually started training when I was a little kid. I did kids karate and kung fu. Uh, about 97 is when I started seeking out jiu-jitsu, and uh, I found Filipino martial arts and jiu-jitsu at Horizon Martial Arts in West Seneca. Uh, it was Rich Bopet, who currently runs Straight Blast Gym out of Niagara Falls in Canada, and Datu Tim Hartman, who still teaches in West Seneca. Uh, that's pretty much where I got a lot of stuff from then uh around 98 is when i met boyd ritchie and i started trading in catch wrestling and sambo so man i don't even know how many black local black belts have started with you i did catchery train with you Vagata train with you uh katillas train with you did you ever train with dub I can't say i did or didn't um his face is so familiar and he's you know I, I I I can't say if I did. I've trained with so many people over the years. I'd be lying if I said I remembered everybody. But you guys have all surpassed me a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone got black belts and Primo's been uh, beating people up ever since. He didn't take no breaks on that. No. What was jujitsu like for everyone now? Like on our, in our gym, we have six black belts at our gym. A lot of gyms have at least multiple black belts. Back in the day, there were no black belts. So uh, when you started jiu-jitsu, what was it like? Well, it was full contact. We could punch and kick. <laughs> <laughs> um, there wasn't as much limitation on submissions because nobody knew exactly what we were doing. Uh, everything was called jiu-jitsu back then. Everyone wanted to be jiu-jitsu back then. So even if the guys that were doing sambo were, were claiming jiu-jitsu because it's such a similar sport... Um, that's the best I could say on that. Uh, I started competing in 2001, full contact jiu-jitsu for the United States Jiu-Jitsu Federation. And, uh, I won nationals that year and repeated that again in 2003. For, uh, anyone that doesn't really know about, uh, USJJF, that was almost like point karate on the feet. It wasn't really full contact because you really couldn't... You couldn't punch to the face. Or kick to the legs, right? You couldn't you kick couldn't to the legs. You couldn't kick to the legs, but kicks to the body and punches to the body. It was like Kyokushin, if anyone's like familiar with that. That's like a full contact. Were head right? kicks legal? I don't remember. Head kicks are legal. 
Yeah. I remember um, I blasted that one kid in the face in the tournament. Yeah. I didn't get in trouble. I, I, I also witnessed a few noses broken, like ridge hands. If someone turned their hand into a ridge hand, you could hit to the side of the head. So if they turned their face to, you know, into your hand, I watched several noses blow up at those tournaments. And then once you were in a clinch, it was judo rules. Yes. Once you were in a clinch, you couldn't punch or kick anymore. Um, excuse me. God but, bless uh, that beer. <laughs> yeah. But uh, heel hooks were legal. Yeah. Closed I, I guard used to do, was illegal. Yeah. Yes, a closed guard is illegal. Um, <laughs> you, you couldn't have a closed guard around the kidneys. So I really started grapevining around the legs if I was in that position. But again, I was also allowed to do flying scissor locks back then, if you remember. Yeah. And heel hooks. I, I was very well known for my heel hooks, my knee bar, and my arm bar. And people always kept saying, you know, wow, that, that, that knee bar is your favorite move. And I'm still pretty good at it till this day, but my favorite move is still the arm bar. <laughs> it's just that it's so it's socially acceptable in almost every submission venue that Everybody knows it. So the really good guys are very, very, very T-Rex. Their hands are up here, you know, like you ain't getting this. So leg locks, you know, were definitely more applicable for me. <laughs> How do you feel about the like the current tread towards leg locks being in fashion again? For forever, people kind of sneered at leg locks, looked down on them, but Gordon Ryan and Dan Hurd, that squad, are bringing leg locks back. Well, I think it's best to say if you know, ignore half your body when someone catches you with one it's time to start learning starting to sound like uh oh geez was, who was dean lister dan, yeah dean lister uh, i could think it was uh, that face that dean yep. lister face mm -hmm. i couldn't think of his name we were just talking uh right over here that man hopefully you can remember the stories i'm for already forgetting people's names so it's, it's a rough <laughs> start for me well i'm drinking the beer so yeah, no I just problem. got this sugar-free Rockstar. It's not as good, I guess. I, I love Rockstar, but I don't like sugar-free. <laughs> it kind of tastes like pee, but it's uh, it keeps your outside it, looking good. Well, that's because taurine is in it. Yeah, and that's bull piss. Oh well, I and like bull still, piss. Well, so do <laughs> I. So, <laughs> so USJGF is uh, kind of where you started into your uh, martial arts career, I guess, yes. competitive career. Mm -hmm. I met you. Did you already do a USJJF when I met you? Or? Um, I yes, I did. I had done two tournaments, and I won the first one. Ernie McPeak's tournament, yes, right? Yeah. I won the first one, and then the second one, I uh, that's when I fought Lee. I, <laughs> I, you know, competed against him. Oh, I forgot. Doctor Kroll did I or USJJF? Yes, and oh my God. he was the one that introduced you and I. Right. And uh, he said, he said to me, and I'll never forget. He goes, I, I got this badass wrestler, <laughs> and I grew up loving wrestling, and anything that ever said wrestling was something I wanted to do and to know. So meeting you as a wrestler, I was in awe. I tried to play poker face, but <laughs> I was in awe. I was like, oh my god, he's a wrestler, because we didn't have that in, in, in the in the inner city. Right. You know, that was something that was done in the South Towns. And, you know, like Cheektawaga, West Seneca, all that. That was not done. That doesn't get into done in, you know, the west side of Buffalo. <laughs> I came out of the mean streets of Cheektawaga, so you were in trouble. <laughs> I met really. a lot of girls that went to Maryville, so I was aware. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, they didn't know about me because I was pretty unpopular. <laughs> well, you were tough. Yeah, that's right. I was getting some cauliflower here. Basically, everyone I've met through my jujitsu career has been in and out through Horizon. At the time, 
What other jujitsu schools were around then? What was the competition? I don't really remember too much. There was no real jujitsu schools at that time. The closest thing you would have found to that was Kentora Judo. And the reason I never really did a, you know, train there was because by the time I started seeking it out and realizing what was what, I had already moved to South Buffalo and West Seneca was much closer than the West Side. But there was no no schools. I mean, finding a jiu-jitsu school was next to near impossible back then. I used to go to St. Catharines twice a week to train jiu-jitsu. That's where I met Jerry DeSanto, Rich Bopet. Um, there was a guy named Steve Burgess who used to do seminars out of Nova Scotia. And he represented Guerrero Jiu-Jitsu de Brazil. So that was probably closer than Rochester, right? Rochester didn't come about till like 2004 or five. Oh, okay. Because we took a couple trips up there. Yeah, too. it was like, but that was like like 2004 or five, and uh, I can't. Kyle Saunders yeah. was the guy out there, and serious he, top he control was, right now. Man. Oh my God, he was so heavy. He was amazing. Um, he, he was absolutely amazing. Like. You know, he, he taught me a couple things that I still utilize to this day. And, you know, he was like the first, like, he, he, he just was very so nonchalant. He didn't care if, you know, he was on top or the bottom. He, he was just so calm and relaxed. And I appreciated the stuff that he did show me. Yeah, he definitely had the real jujitsu at the time, which was really hard to find. Mm-hmm. We were kind of piecing our jujitsu together. It wasn't really like, like you go to jujitsu now and it's like a series of combinations to get into the yeah. the submission. We were like training submissions and we're like, yes. how do we get there? We're like, oh, we'll figure it out. My my thing was I used to buy uh, Golden Boy videos, had VHS tapes for a dollar. And I used to... By UWFI and Pancrase, um, Fujiwara, Gumi. I used to buy these videotapes. And they did arm locks, leg locks. They were kicking each other. And some of them were just pro wrestling in Japan. But I didn't realize that when I was watching them. You know, I mean, that's where I first saw Sakuraba. Yeah. Was in these pro wrestling videos. Not to say that Pancrase was pro wrestling. Don't anyone get mad at me. I know that they were... They were the hybrid. They were one of the first. Um, With fixed fights. They Same. did have a few of them, but there was also Shuto that came out in 85, and they were legit. You know, um, I just saw something on Satoru Sayama where he's kind of gone insane, and he's like smashing people for doing a, a kick wrong <laughs> like beating them in the face with a stick i'm like damn i didn't even get that from praises <laughs> <laughs> but i'm still a fan he was the original tiger mask right so basically we were learning from you who's learning from tapes mm-hmm. but putting it together and that's that's kind of what we did well when, when was the first time you rolled with someone who was actually belted in jujitsu the first time I actually rolled with someone that was belted in jiu-jitsu. Okay, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, yeah. That would had to have been, shit, Ashvia. When you guys brought Ashvia in? He was yeah. a black belt. That he was, was the first black belt, black belt I he ever was met. The, he was the, the first, you know, 
belted Brazil, belted real BJJ guy I ever rolled with, and I kept give, <laughs> sorry, I kept giving him praise, and he kept asking me, "Who who teach you? Who teach you?" And a lot of credit goes to Boyd Ritchie. Um, he was teaching me sambo. And for anyone who doesn't know what sambo is, it's a combination of judo wrestling and striking techniques. Now, obviously back then, you know, he wasn't teaching the striking like Fedor does. But, I mean, that's I, I learned a lot of stuff from him and a lot of stuff from videos. But Eshfia would be the first one that was... You know, really a BJJ guy. That was the first black belt I ever rolled with, too. Uh, he was so big, dude, it didn't even feel like we were... It he, was even fair. It wasn't fair, but also I have to give him his props because he never put his weight on me. I mean, wrestlers. I trained with wrestlers yourself and, and others that just, you know, when I smashed me until they wanted to move, and then I'd catch him in an arm bar or something. But, I mean, if they wanted to just hold you down, you couldn't really do nothing. But with him, his flow was, was solid. You know, he, he, he was very, very fluid in his movement for a big guy, too. And, man, could he eat some pork fried rice. <laughs> I remember him teaching very fluidly, but uh, I remember the one time I rolled him, he just sat on me with knee on belly, dude. And I was like, this sucks. I, I I don't know. I never had that part. Like, for a lot, he would hold me in cross-sider north and yeah. south. Um, I, I was pretty rubbery back then. I must have made him mad. <laughs> you, might have, <laughs> you might have. You might have. Um, yeah. Um, you know, you know I, I, I think I'm missing a guy. Um, I mentioned him, too. Who's that? That was Steve Burgess out of Nova Scotia. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, up in Canada. Yeah, he 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 was he taught a seminar at Brock University. I think it's in Hamilton. But um, like he taught me the armbar from the guard to the triangle choke to the armbar, and that was like God sent. But I never got to roll with him. If that's if that makes sense. Right. Like the seminar mm -hmm. was a seminar. And it was no different than me, you know, doing going to a classical jujitsu, which I practiced as well, you know. And it was no different than anything. It was done and okay, I teach you this. You willfully let me twist your wrist, you willfully let me bend your arm kind of scenario. But Ashfia was definitely the first one that let me roll with him. You know? He had nothing to lose. He was so big that yeah. he was gonna win no matter what. Oh god, yeah. So uh what was your striking background? I uh, I know you have a lot of traditional martial arts striking. Uh. Well, my father did karate when I was a kid, and uh, he used to train with a guy named Eddie Fliss who was doing kung fu. My father was more into karate. Uh, he liked power punches. He liked power sidekicks. So I learned to practice sidekicks and punches on a traditional canvas bag, which was meant to condition your hands, but really it just gave you a lot of rug burn. <laughs> um i did some boxing here and there uh i i found my face was good for a punching bag <laughs> and found out real quickly you know if you you want to bridge any type of gap and get someone to clinch with you you punch them in the nose <laughs> and, and that's the god's honest truth at that time you know if you wanted to get into a clinch punch them in the face they were going to grab you so that that was that was 
pretty much there. But Hartman taught me a lot. You know, he really gave me structure, not just in in uh, striking the weapons base. You know, he's a Filipino martial. I'm gonna arts. jump in real quick. Tim Hartman is the instructor at Horizon. Uh, that was in West End because that's where Primo's teaching at, and that's where we met him at Horizon. And Tim Hartman was the owner of the gym. He was, he is, and he he did more for me in martial arts behind the scenes than I can say anybody else did. Um, he gave me structure, but he also realized that I was looking for legit. If that makes any sense to people, I want you know I wanted you to punch me in the face. If I w- if I was doing something choppy and you hit me and made me realize that I needed to keep my hands up. That was it, and you know he didn't mind poking me in the eye with a stick. <laughs> he didn't really like it too much when we spar. No, but that's that's what it was. You yeah, know? We he was sparring. scared. You know, he he. I mean, being a school owner, he he. I don't want the scared of the. He didn't want anyone to get hurt. Right. You know, he didn't want anyone to get hurt. He still doesn't want anyone to get hurt, and that's perfectly understandable. Being, you know, a gym owner, a school owner, you know, he wants people to practice safely. Um, we of course waited till he left and we beat the shit out of each other anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, when we first started, we didn't even wear geese or anything. We just came in and like, I always wore sweatpants and a t-shirt and we would, uh, my gee game still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's I, not too much of a head of yours, but you a little know, bit. It does. It's, you know, I, I respect the gee. I respect those that are really good at it. But more often than not, if I'm allowed to take it off, I will. So me... You got a lot of shit for wearing a black belt and the gi teaching grappling, too. I remember that. Well, the fact of the matter was I got my black belt in the school that I was teaching at. And so it was told to me that I should wear the belt that I had in that school. So out of respect for where I was, I did that. You know... Quite honestly, you inspired me the most because the the best thing you ever said to me was, I'm a white belt for life. Yeah. And that makes so much sense. I mean, I got a purple belt. I I got two stripes on it. I've been a purple belt for 10 years. I've done maybe four tournaments with the purple belt. Um, I I, certainly never met anyone any disrespect. You know, I love martial arts all the way around. And whether I wore a gi or didn't wear a gi, I was always 100% on. And a lot of the people that, you know, are really good with gis still got tapped. Right. That smell <laughs> is Tripper's fart. So Tripper finally made it into the podcast. Hey, He's doggy. He's a stinky old man. Uh, I just want to say uh, I'm still a white belt. Even though I'm a black belt, I still consider myself a white belt for life. That throw I hit today that you said very nice. Yeah. I learned that from a 14-year-old girl on Sunday. That's fucking awesome. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Those McBride girls, they showed me how to do it. Stepped in, I hit it today. But I came up on the wrong side. Yeah, it stinks, dude. He's got the stinkiest butt in the world. Just came up on the wrong side with the... Because I was throwing it the other hand, the other way. She has has the different lockup so I could control the head. Mm-hmm. And when I throw, I'm still going the wrong way with the Dars. It made it more of an anaconda than the Dars. And then... End up on the bottom, but honestly, I don't know the difference between them. You know, that's the one thing. You know, people still ask me to this day, "What was the name of that move you just did?" What I, do you mean? What was the name of that move I just did? I can show you what I did. A Dars comes in against the neck like this, and Anaconda comes under the arm with the arm in between. So that's the difference. 
It still looks like a figure four to me. It is, but it's where the arm placement okay. is. It's the different arm placement. Well, so, like, if there's no arm in, like, if the head's here and the arm's on this side, it's a darts. If it's an arm in one, it's an anaconda. And that's the difference. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I could teach you something. Oh, now you, we're even. <laughs> you, you've taught me more stuff than you will ever realize, okay? My sprawl has been great for a, a hot minute. But I learned how to sprawl from you when we were training at Maryvale and with the kids. Yeah. And I, I got to say I was in awe of you even then because you had a way with children <laughs> as far as getting them to look to what you were doing and really practice with conviction. And I enjoyed being there and training and the sprawl practice that we practiced did I still do to this day. The spin drill that you taught me, <laughs> I still do to this day. And I've used that for so many setups and other things that I learned. You know, I, I, I'm always trying to progress. You know, I took I took time off. I took a lot of time off. Uh, when I actually stopped teaching, my wife went into a coma. And about a year after that, she died. So you didn't stop teaching because Chuck opened up this place? I know this is an emotional thing, but we were just talking about this in the car, so I had to bring it up. I I don't... I mean, I understand he's got problems with where I came from. I got no problems with him ever. I don't really know him. Um, I didn't stop teaching because he opened up a school. I, I know I read that online. I stopped teaching because my wife had health issues and she eventually went into a coma. And when she came out of the coma, she had anoxic brain damage. Um, we had had a, our third child at that point. So I was raising three children on my own and taking care of my wife. And when I say taking care of my wife, I got her up. I fed her. I bathed her. I clothed her. And I did everything I could to make her as comfortable as possible. And in the end, her health issue, her health issues, you know, took took her life. And I lost her July twenty eighth of twenty fifteen. And since then, uh, I've been raising my three children with the help of family, but mostly on my own. Uh, two years ago, I moved to Clarksville, Tennessee, for a fresh start. I had stopped training and teaching for a good five, six years by that point. Um, so again, it had nothing to do with Chuck, which again, I don't wish him any ill feelings. I don't know the guy. I just don't. You know, Whatever problems he has with other people, I wish it wasn't ours because I, I just don't look at it that way. Yeah, just like uh, I said in the car, I'm not sure. He's that really old school Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Carson Gracie, loyalty guy. So he has a problem with Tim. So he has a problem with Tim's students. And obviously you're the lead of Tim's grappling program. So you're the person he's going to have a problem with. But it's not really a problem with you, I would say. I would never, ever renounce my connection with Tim. Like I said, behind the scenes, he did more for me than anybody else. Uh, I'm sorry that he's got a problem with them. I'm sorry that they got a problem. I wish all martial arts were really family as we all try to be. You know, it, it, it's it got nothing to do with me. You know what's crazy? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter 
what the martial art is, it's always like the teachers that have a problem with each other because mm. they have a rival business, you know what I mean? And then the students are all like, I just want to train, man, you know? And it's just a, a classic classic problem in martial arts. It's, it's funny you say that because ever since I've been back in Buffalo two weeks, and I, I shit you not when I say my phone has been blowing up with people asking me if I'm going to start teaching again. And as much as I like to, and I probably eventually will, it's a lot more fun to be a student. Um, that was what I loved being in Tennessee. I was not the teacher. I got to train. I got to go home. And I didn't have any of the politic problems. I will always be a student before I am a teacher. If you ask me for what I did, I'll show you. If you want a specific name, I might give it to you, you know, in a Japanese <laughs> terminology. We were talking about that earlier, too. Like, you know, I don't know what that's called. This is the choke. I mean, okay, figure four locks. I learned the first double wrist lock, which today, you know, a lot of people call Kimura. Kimura okay. is going down. <laughs> yes, it's going down. But the first name I ever heard of it was Gaku Udegrame, which is reverse entangled lock is what it was. Okay. So that being said, the, the, the upward version in, in the Brazilian lingo, it's Americana. Go figure. It's Americana, American style. Yeah, American wrestlers do it. They're Top rough. wrist lock is what the American catch wrestlers used to call it. In Japanese, they call it Udegrame. Where did I learn that shit? Out of books. <laughs> I learned a lot of it out of books, man. Uh, I, I used to buy judo books. I used to go to... Pachillos, and they would let me sit there and read them because they knew I would buy one. Yeah. Even though I would leave and buy a book. So they didn't mind if I sat there for an hour or two just reading books. I used to get that Black Belt magazine. I used then, to uh, look. There was a grappling magazine in 1997, and I swear to God, this thing went everywhere with me. It was like my Bible, but it had Oleg Taktarov, Ken Shamrock. The Gracies, the Machados. It had all these different people showing these different things. And everything I learned in there, I still practice till this day. Whatever differences we have, we have more similarities than we want to give each other credit for. For sure. We're all doing the same thing that we love, man. We all doing the same shit and calling it something different. I'm not even sure we do that that much anymore. Maybe the really traditional well, guys. The cat the old old school catch wrestlers really, really want you to call the Kimura a double wrist lock. Whether you call it a double wrist lock or a Kimura, it's the same move. <laughs> Some guys like to do it with the thumb on the top. Some guys like to do it with the thumb over. What Some do you like think? The what do I think? Whichever one allows me to catch you in a submission is the one I want to use. I was always taught no thumb, and I always do the thumb. <laughs> I always do the thumb as well, but I like to twist the wrist. Yeah, yeah, like a like a motorcycle handle. Yeah, yep, for sure. I like to twist the wrist, you know. And I think and, you do get a better twist if your thumb's out. But good luck keeping that arm, man, yeah. motherfucker. I mm -hmm. can never catch that arm without the thumb. I it it depends on the person. I mean, I've caught some high level guys with the thumb. I've also lost at times with the thumb, but I also I'm not married to one technique. You know, if I have a favorite technique, like I said, it's the straight arm bar. But, you know, whatever technique works at the time, especially in competition, you know, 
I, I always say, you know, you either go to there to kick ass or you're going to get your ass kicked. <laughs> Remember when we started and no one did half guard? Oh, God. Yeah. No one even knew. Like, half guard was like, st- you're almost mounted. Mm-hmm. Guys used to tap out when they were mounted. Even in, like, UFC. It's crazy. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I've been mounted. I've been blasted in the face. And I always say, you know, they, they don't give them your back. Don't give your back. I swear to God, I've escaped more things, more people by giving my back up and letting them try for the choke than to just sit there. Well, I would say when there's striking involved, I would never sit and mount because you can get fucked up. I absolutely agree with you there. But more often than not, everyone's training for a grappling tournament. Yeah, I don't whether you call it jujitsu or submission wrestling, more often than not, people train for that. So if I'm in practice, I will certainly allow you to mount me. I'll certainly allow you to have my back, and I'll certainly allow you to put a choke on full on till I go spacey, and then I'll tap to you. <laughs> Why? Because I check my ego at the door. I didn't always do that back in the day, but I certainly do it to this day because my whole thing is. What are you going to do to me? I mean, I, 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 I know arm bars. I know leg locks. I know choke holds. I know what it feels like. You know, if someone gets me in a, in a lock and it sucks, I'm going to laugh at you. I'm going to play with it and I'm going to get out. <laughs> if it's really good, I'll give you, you know, the, the significant point of a tap. You know, I, 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 I lost that ego a long time ago. I remember not realizing how full an armbar could be till I let someone pop it two or three times. What a leg lock could be till I let it hyperextend a couple of times. Then it was like, holy fuck, you know, I ain't letting you get that no more. You know, that, that, that gave me a real sense of why am I getting out of this? Because it fucking hurts. I think we did a lot of damage to each other's knees. <laughs> I certainly agree with that. And, and again, anyone that I heel hooked back in the day, I so apologize for because... I didn't realize the kind of damage I was doing. I mean, scientifically now with with the technology we have to see and to watch the legs pop and not just the legs, but you know, the tendons around it. Again, I apologize. But that's what I knew back then. Do we go after each other's knees hard? We both yeah. be sitting in the heel yeah. hooks, pop, 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 Absolutely. pop. Who's gonna tap first? Pop, pop, mm-hmm. pop, pop. I definitely agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Limping down the stairs. Mm-hmm. So uh that brings us to the point where uh I kind of left uh, Tim Hartman's place because I didn't want to pay like $86 a month or whatever it was at the time. Yeah. This is for two classes a week. And uh, we started training together. And that's when we started turning the focus to MMA because it got real big. So, uh, we had the group of guys. We had Bill Pegg and Steve Pegg. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes Tomas Pegg. Canseco. Yeah, Canseco. Dude, he, he's a legit uh, chiropractor now. I don't know if I, you keep up with him online. I actually was there... For, I was part of his test, his examination, Damn. and uh, what he did, t- you know, with every part of my body popped was great, except for when he did my neck. I swear to God, that shit hurt for a week, and I've never seen a chiropractor since. I know he's great at what he does, but at that point, my neck hurt. <laughs> Damn, that dog is... Dog got me all tied up. Yeah, you just headbutt the microphone. I know, I'm still stuck. Tripper, you suck, man. You got me all tied up. You got the computer falling off. You're a mess today. Jeez. All right. We're back. <laughs> We're still recording. Um, 
Oh, we're talking about Thomas. Sorry, I lost my train of thought here. I haven't really talked to him too much. Every now and then we message on Facebook a little bit. But mm-hmm. it's cool to see like how good he did. He's training jiu-jitsu still now, too. I'm not sure. I think he's a purple belt. He is but I don't a purple know. belt. Um, I don't know. I know he's in Pennsylvania. I know he's a purple belt. Uh, I've always been told, once you reach purple belt, you're badass. But from the moment I met that guy, I thought he was badass. Same as you. The moment I met you, I thought you were badass. Dude, so. he was so big, he could do that spinning back kick. Holy he, fuck. He, like could, spinning he was trying kick. flying arm bars back then. I mean, you know, he 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 was trying them. You know, he he had he was so agile. And he was trying it. You know, he didn't give a fuck if he landed on his head. You know, which like I said, I love the flying arm bar. I'm gonna be forty four years old. And every time I hit a flying arm bar, I almost pretty much land on the top of my head you're only 44 i'll be 44 next month yeah. holy fuck i thought you're way older than me nah i look old because but uh, then again i'm raising three kids pretty much by myself i'll be 42 soon so i'm right there with you yeah i, I I'll understand be 44 the on the saint patrick's day damn so everyone's got to have a beer with me <laughs> even if it's a, an invisible one saint patty's day hold one up for primo and then dump it out appreciate it <laughs> put one on the floor for those who have who have we've lost so we were upstairs in the attic training. Then we had Thomas and the pegs. And you know what I loved about training with you at the attic? Is you used to turn it. We'd close all the windows yeah. off and turn the fucking heat on. <laughs> and it, I shit you not, people. It was 100 <laughs> degrees when we went up there to train. In the summertime, at least in 100. In the summertime. It was 100 degrees. <laughs> and I remember doing this. And I, I remember reading about uh, Hoyler Gracie's gym being underground or something. And them doing the same thing, cutting off the ventilation and going in there to train. And I remember we, by the time we all left there, all of our uniforms were like 60 pounds with water. Yeah, dude, it was good. We'd all started with the gi on and by the end of it, we were all down to shorts you know none of us went to the underwear but we were close no, no i was never close you guys you guys were more fruity than well, me you, you yeah no problem there um <laughs> you your conditioning man to this day like I, I i i sparred with you tonight i wrestled with you tonight your conditioning has always put me in the awe like and you've always been about that and i love that about you your your conditioning, and I think you said once conditioning is parallel to technique. It is, I and, that and I agree with you. It is conditioning is so much. You could have all the technique in the world if you have no gas, you're gonna run out pretty quick. Yeah, I, uh, I always make it my goal to never be more tired than my opponent. And uh, in all my competitions, I think it's only happened one time, one round. God bless and you. I'm mad about that. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. <laughs> so yeah. you're stewing about it right now. I shouldn't even brought I, I it up. Re- I remember, I remember, and I, I saw your belt downstairs with Jocelyn's. I remember this guy leaping guard on you, and you like giving me the thumbs up. <laughs> and I remember you just holding him there and holding there till his arm weakened. <laughs> and then finally, when his arm released, you just set him down. And I remember yelling at that fucking referee, that's two points! That's fucking two points! He didn't leap guard, because back then, if you leaped yeah. guard, you, you lost a point. Right. But it wasn't a, him leaping guard that put him down. You let his arm tire out, you put him on his back, and I'm like, that's two points. That's, <laughs> points. that's a takedown. That's a I, I want to say effing, but yeah. that's, a, we that's a fucking times. <laughs> takedown. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> the beer's kicking in. Yeah, we had a lot of good tournaments. We did a lot of tournaments together. Did wrestling there. You actually wrestled? You went yes. to wrestling tournament? That I, was crazy. I 
it was like fourth or third place in folk style wrestling. And I still, like I said, I love wrestling to this day. I I, I love catch wrestling, freestyle wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, whatever it is that, that that's called wrestling. I love checking it out. And one thing I admire about wrestlers the most, and people can't see this, but it's heart. <laughs> wrestlers have heart. And I'm not saying anybody else does, but wrestling really, really, really emphasizes go to the end. Go to the end, you know? I mean, I used to work out at UB College, and when you exit their room on both sides, it said, did you train like a champion today? <laughs> and if you ignored that, that's your fucking fault. <laughs> Were you there when um, uh, Zach knocked uh, Koscheck uh, out? Um, I met Koscheck there. I remember... You know, okay, now again, I, I'm in awe of him as an MMA fighter. But I remember him saying, you guys might tap me, but none of you are going to take me down. <laughs> and there was a guy named Dan Holly who was just this outrageous fucking wrestler. And he took him down like five times. Holly took him down? Holly, pff, yes, he did. Like I was five there. times straight? Yes. Um, I don't remember if he, I don't think any of us submitted him at all, at all. And I, I think he only went with like one or two, but yeah, Holly could. Holly was just insane. He was. He's probably uh, the second best person I've ever trained with in my entire life. Um, I love training with him. Uh, I actually got him into MMA. I took him to those fights. You know, I introduced him to Ohio. <laughs> you know, did you so, meet Wes Sims down there? That's where he met Wes Sims yeah. with me. Were you guys together? Were you there yeah. when uh, Wes Sims took all his fight money, got hookers, and spent it all on No, I, I don't remember that. <laughs> but um, again, I fought MMA down there. I did win a championship belt down there. Uh, Wes actually fought on the card. Uh, Phil Brony fought on, fought on a card. Uh, there were a lot of guys, you know, Hammer House was big down there, yeah. Iron House was big down there. Uh, there were a lot of good fighters in Ohio. There still is. I mean, they're insane. I love them. Strong Styles there now, you know, that's <sighs> for real. You know, it, it, it's, it was illegal here for us. I mean, not that we didn't do it. <laughs> we know this for a fact. Not that we didn't do it, but it wasn't like, it wasn't you never, socially acceptable. You never fought here, did you? Yes, I did. Did you fight here? Yes. Uh, you were supposed to take me to my first one, but Lee took me to oh, my first one. Oh, the Taikai fight, right? Um, I fought a... The guy from Taikai. No, right? I fought no. Andrew Karinga, who was a BJJ guy. Um, and I want to say his coach was named Ken Smith out of, out of Syracuse. But I wore a... White shirt and blue shorts <laughs> to my first MMA fight. And uh, it was called Combat Zone. And I won with a, a heel hook slash knee bar. It was 50-50, which I just learned that, by the way. When you scissor your legs around the same leg, it's a 50-50. And they had the same scissors, yeah. But I had the inverted heel hook, but the knee was straight. So it was... Either the knee bar or the ankle lock that tapped him, but I gave it with all my might, and we fought on a canvas ring, and both of us were so bloody. It looked like pro wrestling, but it was Lee, and uh, 
Lee brought me there. And it was Kevin Rozier, who we were talking about <laughs> earlier, who lifted me up because I was from Buffalo, New York, and he was from Buffalo, that New York. That dude was a psycho. He was. Um, I started training with him after that because he was said he could get me a lot of fights. <laughs> and I was sparring with him one night, and, I, and again, he was 300 plus pounds. And at the time, I was like 147 pounds, maybe 150 pounds. And I put him in an arm bar and I tapped him and he flipped out on me and he says, you could have broke my fucking arm. You got to take it easy. And I said, you know, I've done that move like a thousand times. And he said, and I quote, no, you haven't. I just fucking taught it to you next last week or something. And I was just like. Okay, I can't train with you no more. Yeah, dude, he was so big. I and miss him though. He was I, so I, big and strong. He was. Too, though, he was dude. so strong. He was. And let's. I mean, let's let let's give him his props. He was at the first UFC for real. I actually had his manager on this podcast. You know, uh, he was at the first UFC, and I remember he had Lenova mm-hmm. in his corner. You know? We had uh, Charlie Anzalone on, who was his manager, and he managed some other important guys was back it? in the day. Dude, he was like he had a lot of good stories about Kevin Rozier. So I got nothing but good to say yeah. about him, other than that one night. Yeah, R.I.P. He, I saw him at some kickboxing fights. Like he didn't even remember me. Like he didn't remember anything. Mm-hmm. Like I tried to talk with him, and he had a rough end of his life, man. But uh, you know, good for him. They, God bless he him. Did what he loved to do. Yes, I mean, let's face it. You know, he he still went out there to fight, no matter what, and. You know, people always talk about, oh, I can fight, I can fight. He went out there to fight. You know, he didn't talk. He he didn't just talk. He went out there to fight. And how can you not respect that? You know, I mean, you could do all the kata you want in this world. And you could train every technique in this world. And you could have it down precise. But if you say you're a fighter, then you have to fight. That's as simple as that. You know, whether you win or lose... If you don't go out there to actually fight, how can you say you're a fighter? Right. I agree with that. Uh, so let's go back to the MMA part. Uh, MMA was illegal here in New York. <laughs> but we were still doing but it. But we were still doing it. They would do, uh, I fought on Combat Zone a few times myself, mm-hmm. and they would do kickboxing, and then they would have MMA yes. at, at the same events. And there was no rules. There was no anything. You just showed up. They didn't even really, when I fought, they didn't even take my name. And you just went in there and you fought. Yeah. It's funny because the first guy I was supposed to fight chickened out right there in front of me. I was kicking a heavy bag and Crawl was holding it. And all I was doing was trying to break a sweat and warm up. And he he, he literally walked up to them and said, I'm not fighting that guy. Mm-hmm. He's going to kill me. <laughs> and I remember looking at him and saying, did he really just fucking say that? Like, he was, like, twice my size. And he's like, I'm not fighting that guy. So my fight actually got changed around a few times by then. The guy that I fought, Karinga, was supposed to fight someone else who was a bigger name. But that person couldn't make it because of traffic or something. So going in there to fight him, you know, he had no idea who I was. I had no idea who he was. I just knew I wasn't going in there to lose. Guys that fight now have no idea. There's no medicals. So I didn't, I've never done no medicals. No medicals. So if we would, you know, I mean, as bloody as we were, if we would have fucking had diseases, we would have been fucked yeah. to this day. No, no medicals. I never even signed a waiver when I fought. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> so no waiver, no paperwork. <laughs> 
they never took my official name or even looked at my license. Mm. So whatever name I use, I could have been. I remember a guy trying to get me a job vacuuming fucking the bottom of the water. I, 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 you know, saying, man, he loved my fights. And if I came to work for him, he would get me a lot of fights. But I would have to work. I'd have to use scuba gear. And I would have to vacuum underneath boats. Do you know what that guy's name was? No. I uh, actually. I can't fucking remember it, but I remember he he like was really persistent. I'm like, well, get me another fight. One of Butch's friends. You remember Butch, right? The yeah. Old guy Butch. Like, I still friends. Videos. I, that's actually from Butch. That thing Videos. right there. Yeah, and Hit. the glove too. Okay. Speaking of Butch, him and Brian Abrams. That's Brian Abrams. Actually, ended up doing that. I couldn't think of the guy's name, but he was. On, oh, your phone's going off. You're a rookie podcaster. I'm just going to say that right now. Yes, I am. I'm going to go live with my daughter right now (laughs) and say that I am on the radio. What can I do for you? I can't see you. Your video is stuck in a picture, but I'm on the air. (laughs) Some quality radio. I, I am an amateur in so many ways. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, that's why my phone's always, like, turned down so it doesn't go off. But that's okay. That was cool. This is the, the first time in a long time that I, again, I haven't been out without my, my children. And you're spending it with an ugly caveman. I'm just saying. I, I fucking you could love do better. you, man. <laughs> I, and, and, again, I'm as head row as you can get as is he. But I love this guy. And I'll... I, we we go back so many years. He was at my wedding. I was. And, and I broke and up a knife fight. There, yeah, he broke up a knife fight at my wedding. That's the God's honest <laughs> truth. Okay? You know. How stereotypical is it that a Puerto Rican had a knife fight at his wedding? It, I'm just it's, saying. It's more common than you think. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you had knives at your wedding. Somos Boricua. <laughs> Hola, Chico Bonita. <laughs> That's about the limit of my uh, Spanish. Primo's texting right now. Tripper's trying to rip my headphones off. God, Tripper did rip my headphones off. Tripper. Oh, this that, is That whole thing was because my dad wants me to pick up a gallon of milk. Oh, you can stop on the way back. All right, I appreciate that. Sorry, folks. That was a little bit of a rough uh, patch there. Can you open the door and let the dog out? He's going nuts. He keeps pulling the headset off. So anyways, back to uh, the fights. I got paid $25 to fight. I don't know if you got paid at all. They would just give you whatever to show up and fight. Um, that first night, no, I did not get paid. I know Karinga got paid. Yeah, <laughs> I watched him get paid, and and with no disrespect to him because I've never seen him after that. That was the first time I saw someone cry over being tapped out, and the following week he fought at mass destruction, and like he just destroyed his opponent. I mean, I, I saw it via my dial-up computer, if we can remember that <laughs> shit. Yeah, for sure. But um, he just, like, destroyed his next opponent. Like, I don't know if he underestimated me. And I'm sure none of them expected me to be, you know, going after him the way I did. You're just a tough son of a bitch. And the way you, you move through positions, it's not... <laughs> it's not like a regular jiu-jitsu guy so it's almost like a i don't know it's like a wrestler meets a sambo guy with a little bit of jiu-jitsu thrown in between the the transitional positions 
are very awkward with you. It's very different. And you're very heavy. That doesn't really make yes, a lot of sense. But, but one thing's for sure. Back then, I would go for a technique full out. I didn't care if I had a proper position. I didn't care if my legs were in the right spot. And when I got it, it would just pop. You're like that spazzy wipeout, yeah. but you were good. Yes. A good spazzy wipeout. You know, I, I, I never officially was a Brazilian jiu-jitsu wipeout. I, I mean, even the blue belt that I got was at a seminar. And I, I thank you know, Roberto Atala for giving me my blue belt. But there's something to be said about someone who goes through the ranks properly and they have something to be proud of. Not to say that, you know, again, I've been practicing martial arts since I was a little kid. Um, I respect all martial arts, no matter what they are. Because it's not always about the fight. But I didn't go through the ranks the way everybody else did. And I mean no disrespect to anyone that got it. I've been a purple belt for 10 years this March. And... I'm still learning jiu-jitsu. And again, even back then, I was tapping out guys that were supposed to be very high level in tournaments. You know, I, I did mostly no-gi because I didn't want the politics. <laughs> I mean, that that's the God's honest truth. In no-gi, there are less politics. Right. You know, it doesn't matter what your rank is when you go out in no-gi because no one really cares at that point. You know, you go out there and... You do what you can. And I was lucky enough to win a lot of fights, a lot of tournaments. You know, whether it was a cage fight, an MMA fight, a sambo fight, a jiu-jitsu fight. I mean, I was just trying to do as much as I can and learn as, as much as I can. And I always had this vision that I was going to be Luthez or Ric Flair. <laughs> woo! Woo! Is right. You know, but... I mean, that's the God's honest truth. I mean, I didn't know what catches catch can wrestling was when I was training it, but I always wanted to be those pro wrestlers that I grew up watching. And and to me, there was no difference between Ric Flair and the Road Warriors. They were all part of the same thing. And to me, that was my wrestling. Kroll still likes wrestling to this day. Dr. I still, still watch yeah, it. I watch Ronda Rousey. She's beautiful. Ah. Um, but let's face it. I mean, when it comes to the armbar, which again I've said is my favorite move, she's got that down pat. Hell yeah. You know, one thing I would say was that I think she tried to get away from it because she was trying to please the fans. Yeah. But God bless her. I mean, fuck, she'd whip my ass in a heartbeat. <laughs> and you probably like it too. All right, let's steer I, back let's steer back okay. towards fighting. The beer. Yeah, I know you're getting rambly, so we gotta direct you back on on topic. You didn't weigh in for any of your fights in New York, did you? Nope. No, I didn't weigh in either. Back in the day, even when we went to the tournaments, remember the, the weigh-ins on the bathroom scale for nationals at USJJF? Yeah. yeah. There's a regular dial bathroom scale, and the guy's standing like feet away from it. He's like, ah, you're close enough, whatever. The weight just wasn't a thing. I remember I fought a guy that was like 200-something pounds. Uh-huh. Headbutts, dude. Bow, yes. bow, bow. It was bad. I remember you got punched in the face, and you tackled this guy through the tables in through the chairs. <laughs> 
And I just remember thinking, you were going to beat the fuck out of this guy. <laughs> and I loved it. Yeah. You know, I, I absolutely loved it. Was that wrestling or did you just, I don't know. It, it, it was the USJJF yeah. 2002. That much. <laughs> 2001, 2002, and 2003, I remember pretty well. Um, by the time I got to 2003 is when I really started taking off with my submission skills. Um, my striking was even on point, but I must say that I was, I was still scared to hit someone. I was still scared to make them hurt. Uh, it took some time after that, you know, to realize that either I'm going to hit them to the point where they don't want to be hit anymore. They were going to do that to me. Yeah, you kind of fought like that at first. Like, uh, no offense. Like, when you go back and look at your striking from those old days, you're like, ah, I don't know. I pulled back a yeah, lot. Yeah, until you got really cracked. You never really threw back. And yeah. It was like a weird... I, I took a lot more bullshit than I should have. Uh, when you were fighting, did you have gloves? Um, I fought with and without gloves. Yeah, I remember. I didn't have any fights uh, until my pros with, with gloves. Yeah, I fought with and without gloves. Uh, and again, I fought in holes too, you know, I mean, I didn't just do USJJF. I went in these, you know, I, I guess you call them, they, they call them squats, you know, or pit fights is, is a more popular name, but you call you them know, smokers nowadays. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just remember they wanted to, to, to beat the hell out of me and I just wanted to prove I could submit them. You know, if that makes any sense, I mean... You know, I I, I had a, a very visual way on how I wanted to win. I mean, I wasn't the best. I'm still not the best. I'll never be the best. But I had a very visual way on how I wanted to win. And I wanted to emulate the people that I saw. Carlos Newton, Kazushi Sakuraba, Ken Shamrock, Hoist Gracie. I mean, those guys were all doing amazing things, and I wanted to be in that caliber. I'm never gonna be there, but I'm gonna keep trying. <laughs> so, like going on to your uh, your amateur career is, is listed as two fights: Joe Van Don Irden, UFC. Joe Van Den Iden. Van Den Who? Uh, let me let me say this about this guy. This guy was a mutant. Okay. I have, when we used to have these dolls, pro wrestling dolls as a kid, they always had these, you know, these amazing amount of chiseled muscles. I'd never seen that on a human being till I fought him. Um, and he, I, I had him in an inverted heel hook. And I could, it was the first time I ever really felt it in my body going pop, pop. What, you don't count upstairs in the attic when you're popping mine, dude? <laughs> what I mean by that was you guys you guys tap. Uh -huh. And and, and I, I didn't mean to hurt anybody, but I didn't feel like I hurt him. And he was just booting me with his heel. And I could feel, it was the first time I could ever feel it snapping. And he just kept going. And he was this bald little mutant with all these... I, I swear to God, I've never seen a physical human being... With that much muscle. <laughs> and I swear to God, there was no way we were in the same fucking weight class. Did you weigh in for that fight? No. <laughs> See, this is the, this is the time uh, people don't understand, man. It was crazy. They were just starting to legalize and... And he got paid. Yeah, he did get paid. 
I remember that. <laughs> he got paid. Like, I beat him, and I, I was the new Extreme Fighting Challenge lightweight champion, and I didn't get a dime for that. I got paid on the next one, but I didn't get paid you on that one. paid for choke? I got paid for choke. See, so it has you listed as amateur. So back in this day, people would fight, and only Ohio was really keeping records then, right? Fact of the matter is, every fight listed there, okay? Someone with, got paid. Someone got paid. Okay, that's the fact of the matter. Um, that you know, that's the fact of the matter. They they there were people getting paid. There were people not getting paid. There are fights that I did that are never going to be listed. And whatever, whatever, you know. Win or lose, I went there to fight. Right. And back in this day, like guys would fight pro one week, amateur the next week, pro again the week after, depending on what state they're fighting in. So in some states, it'd be pro. Some states, it'd be amateur. It was so different than it is now. Yeah. There's no internet. We didn't have YouTube. We couldn't look up fights. We just show up. They tell you the guy's name. You're like, all right, I'll fight that guy. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when I was fighting, they'd take you in the back. Come up with the rules. Whatever rules you guys want. But it'd just be you and him. So the ref wouldn't know the rules. There were no rules that were enforceable. Just like a gentleman's agreement. Yeah, I you know, I mean, there's something to be said about those glory days. Um, guys like to fight. Yes, that's what they were there for. That's that's exactly it, and that's exactly what I keep coming back to. I mean, if you're gonna claim to be a fighter, you gotta fight. You absolutely have to fight, and whether you were a striker or a grappler. You know, we I think we all realized by this point that you had to at least if you couldn't throw a punch, you better have a damn good clinch. Yeah, and this is the time <laughs> we were working with Dan Holly, yeah, uh Rashad and Lou uh Mike Dizak, Lance and Rashad. Yep, Dizak. Not very often, but we did work with Kajchek a bit. Uh who else was there? Kotri. Ketri, yeah, Ketri. Josh Ketri. I'm Ketri sorry. was in and out. Josh Ketri was in and um, out. This is Black Belt with Boomer um, Who else was there? There was really another guy I'm thinking of. John Lehman. Lehman was there, yeah, but he kind of he was kind of sucky at that time. You know what? I, but he would open the doors for me at and five a.m. Holly, Holly's a person. I was trying Holly, to think of. Holly was so good. I mean, when you, I mean, you, he was, he was such a good wrestler. He had such his armbar was his best asset up until he did um uh Norm, Norman's tournaments, Norman yeah. Yonkers tournaments. That was the first one he told me. He goes, I'm going out there, I'm not gonna do a straight arm bar. And he hit the the double wrist lock, he hit the heel hook, he hit a knee bar. And I remember him fighting Vince. Vince, I love you. I don't know his last name, but Vince was another guy that I trained with in St. Catharines who was a wrestler jiu-jitsu guy who was just off the hook with his technique. And Holly just took him down, let him up. So took him crazy. down, let him up. Slammed him, let him up. And at the end of it, he says, Primo, I told you I wasn't going to do a straight arm. <laughs> but he won. Yeah, he, he was won. crazy, he dude. Was. I trained with him for a long time, too. Him you and DZX. I've trained with another guy right now, Pat Mix, that is just like the same kind of guy. That's the guy you call Patchy, right? Yeah. Okay, I've checked him out. He's got some beautiful shit. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to learn something. Yeah, too bad he wasn't there tonight. He's just back in town too, man. He's amazing. He's fighting in KOTC next week. 10-0, he's going for God bless you, man. 10-0 uh, as a pro, hopefully. 
Well, for sure. Then we got into your pro career. Dude, you fought some serious guys. You fought Luke Spencer and Jason Dent. Luke Spencer. I was two, maybe three weeks out of knee surgery. They cut my kneecap away, popped it back into place. And I was in rehabilitation when I went to fought him. <laughs> and they got it on like decision. It was a split decision that night. And I had him in a knee bar that I couldn't hold. And he got out. And he hit me with shots that echoed. Okay. Um, Jason Dent broke his hand on my head. I had him in a Kimura. He broke his hand and his arm, but he's the first guy that I'd actually say actually beat the shit out of me in that fight. Yeah, was... He was the first guy that, you know, Boss Rutten always talks about the liver shot. He was the first guy that kneed me in the liver and showed me what real pain really fucking was. So much respect to him. You know, I got no problems saying I've lost a fight because I've won a hell of a lot more than I was ever even given credit for. I mean that that if you go by what Sure Dog says on a fighter, it, it's not always accurate. Especially for guys our age. Exactly. You know, there's I, so much, so many fights that happen and no one recorded, and mm-hmm. like it's so the commissions are so good now, and there's it's just one thousand percent better fighting. But you, know, it was like the wild west, dude. It was so it was. crazy back in it. We should write a book about like the craziness. I would love to work on a book with you. Yeah. I mean, you would have to do most of the spelling because I suck. <laughs> Dude, if you got me spelling, you're in trouble. I'm a little uh, bit more articulate, but I'm not well, so good God at spelling. thank God we got a spell check. Yeah. That. And we didn't have map quests back in the day. I remember no. driving down to that damn fight <sighs> with the stupid maps, and we're like, where the fuck is this place? Absolutely. We drove by it like five fucking times. A lot of the fights I did were people driving me to fights. Um, there's a guy named Jason Miller who drove me to a lot of fights. And... uh you know, thank you. <laughs> I'd love to say hello to him again and shake his hand. Um, he was my sparring partner. He let me beat him up to death. You know, he, he never quit. He he worked, I, w- I won't say the name of the company, but he used to give me myoplex boxes. like Oh, myoplex. Those were like the days. Four or five bucks. And they were like $75 a box. Yeah. And I got them for like 4 or $5. I won't say the company because I don't want to put them out there like that. But He probably doesn't work there anymore. That was a long time ago. I don't ago. care. I don't want to put them out there like that. Thank you for, for, for hooking me up, man. You know, I mean, myoplex, you know. Uh, supplements, you know. I fucking love supplements, you know. Creatine. Get on a TRT. You know what? I've, I, 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 I've dabbled in a little bit of the liquid stuff. I don't know if it was TRT, but you, you swallow it. A couple of drops here, a couple of drops there. Um, I would say about a year and a half ago, I was in my best, not a year and a half ago, about a half a year ago, I was in my best physical shape. Uh, before I left Tennessee, I was up to 200 pounds. Now, mind you, a lot of times in my fights, I was between 150 and 155. So to have 50 pounds on me, it doesn't look it. You could look at me right now. I don't look. I mean, I weighed in 192 at your gym tonight. Yeah. I don't look like I'm at that weight. I'm a little pudgy, but I don't look like I'm at that weight. What did you think about open mat? What I, I loved your gym. I, I, I got to say, for... Someone like me, like I said, who's trained at a lot of holes in the wall, <laughs> that it was 
somewhat intimidating. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I just mean as someone walking in saying, wow, look at this place. And wow, you know, God bless you guys for doing what you're doing for Western New York. I don't know if there's any other gym. I again, I've been here two weeks, so <laughs> don't don't anyone think I'm disrespecting them. But I've been here for two weeks, and to walk into a gym like that was just like, what the fuck, you know? And everyone was nice, and everyone I got to roll with was top. You know, they they were all respectful, top notch. I mean, there was there was no egos there, and. uh you know, thank you for letting me hit a flying arm bar, Jeff. My <laughs> wife distracted me. She did. I didn't realize it. Your arm came up and I went through the air. One thing <laughs> I, I used to love doing the flying arm bar. I don't like doing the flying arm bar now because more often than not, I still plant my head into the ground. Oh, you landed pretty clean on that one today. I landed it pretty clean, but I still think I posted my head on the ground. It probably helped that I just stood there and I was looking like this, <laughs> looking up at my wife, like I made eye contact with Karen. like, see Cage in that building. And yes. She jumped up arm bar me while I'm talking, but that's what I get for talking while I'm rolling. I deserved it. I, hey, you know, you tapped, I let it go, yeah. and I, I, I didn't even get the towel. I like tap. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't even get my hand there. One thing's for quick. sure: back in the day, I wasn't as mindful for people as I am today. Today, you know, it's like you know, I look at everyone with respect. I, I mean, if you're old, if you're young, you know, we're training together. I don't want to hurt anybody. I mean, if I go out there and it's a fight, we're gonna fight. It's that simple. I'm gonna be just as you know ruly as i was back in the day but when it comes to training i respect your partners because you want them to be there tomorrow you know you don't want to hurt somebody and have that on your conscience i don't just as a voice of uh i want to put this in real quick uh you were talking so i didn't want to interrupt you so there's a couple open mats in the area uh spar Gym is a super nice gym. It's a crowd Maga place. Matt Gannon run. He's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. He runs that gym. They have open mat. I think Friday night same time as us. And then uh, Mike Attilis has open mat at Lake Effect. Lake Effect. Yeah, martial arts. His gym. I think they're both good places. Obviously, you know I train at my gym. I think my gym's the best, and they think their gym's the best. But uh, that's all, all friendly atmosphere. Those are all good places to check out as long as you're in. You know, going around check out those other gyms. But our place is the best. If you want to fight, we got the cage, the ring, got MMA guys. It was beautiful. That's my home. Um, I'm going to give a plug here. I want to say thank you to Don and Kim Dees in Clarksville, Tennessee, for Modern Martial Arts and Family Fitness, for not just giving me but my children a home. Awesome gym over there at Modern Martial Arts and Family Fitness Center. I can read it off your shirt so I can have a really yes. good plug. Ellen was great. Uh, I just want to say I, I totally respect everything that uh, she did. And I think you're doing a hell of a job as a dad. I visited the last time you were in town. You did great with your kids. I know, like, you're struggling, man, but I'm struggling. you're back. I'm back. Um, again, I want to plug Kim and Don Dees, Modern Martial Arts and Family Fitness in Clarksville, Tennessee. They gave us a home. They gave us a place to train. My daughter has done like 15 tournaments with them. I might be exaggerating, but she's got like five first place gold medals. 
and a few that she didn't. You know, she did multiple tournaments there. I've encouraged her to do gi and no gi. And one thing that she says to me is, Dad, don't teach me any bad habits. I don't need to know heel hooks right now. <laughs> Good for her. Yes. Good for her. Yes. You know, and I've been, tr- I okay, in Clarksville, I tried to get her to join the wrestling program. And she looked at me and said, Dad, I prefer jujitsu. I like that too. And, oh, not really. Well, okay. Wrestling is my passion. I love wrestling. I always will. You, like I said, one of the first real amateur wrestlers that I met that had a fucking badass game. But she wants to be the best she could be at what she does on her own terms. And I respect that. It sounds like a good place to get out of here. I'll get the music going and uh, we'll sign off for today. God bless you all. Maybe we'll get the music going. (laughs) Miss Ray. A little ghetto studio. I'm playing the music from my phone because I don't have a good mixer. Boricua. Coming to you live from the Caveman Studios in North Buffalo. Caveman's Corner is out of here. That was fun. That was pretty good. Do you uh do you remember Mustafa? Yes! Yes. Yes, I do. His daughter is the one, that 14-year-old girl that showed me the showed me the throw that I did today. First time I sparred with him, I heel hooked him. <laughs> You'll remember now, that. I remember him you know, I, I wanted him to fight MMA because he he's like, I wrestle. Dude, his son is a goddamn kill. And I remember to, he's like on Olympic ladder, like he's trying to make the Olympic ladder, dude. He's that good. I told him I went to a, a bar after fighting Luke Spencer, and, I, and Luke bought a pitcher of beer for him and I. Mm-hmm. And uh, she don't want there. He's Muslim. He's not gonna like the alcohol. That's what he said to me. Yep. He it said is, he goes, "Do they do they drink at the venue where you fight?" Yeah, and then he can't go. Yeah, he goes, "I can't do it." He's the best dude. He, so Sundays. We can go over and we want to do wrestling. Free. <laughs> okay. He coaches. Him and his son. I'll definitely. Dude, his son. His, that little Muhammad kid. My, his son is a goddamn killer. My thing is this. You know, normally when I travel, uh-huh. I have three pints with me. Uh-huh. Okay. Xanthia's just turned 15. Primo's going to be 10 in August. Delilah's going to be 5 in June. That's normally how I travel. And that was the one thing that I loved about training with Don and Kim was they didn't mind that kids were everywhere. And it wasn't just me. Other parents brought their kids there to train. Some kids would train in the, in the kids' class right before the adult class. There was this guy, Mike, who his daughter... Let's, been, let's get downstairs before my wife yeah. kills us. His daughter 